they gave me the Dactronic manual and they said, do you think you could learn this in two weeks? Um, wow. And I said, uh, yeah, can I can I come in as much as I want? And they said, whatever you need, just, <laughs> we just need you to be up and running for this like adult baseball tournament that we have coming up and we need someone to know what they're doing. And I said, okay, I'll figure it out. Hello and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today we're joined by Laura Johnson. She's the Director of Game Presentation and Live Events for the San Francisco 49ers. She's going to tell us about her role with the team, her experience during the 2020 season, including producing a game from a different home stadium, and much more. And we're here today with Laura. Laura, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. And Matt's here too, across the table from me. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good, Justin. Thanks. So, Laura, we're going to talk kind of about your progression to where you're at today with the San Francisco 49ers. Can you give us what Matt would love to say is your origin story? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, hopefully we have enough time. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, I started out in, in production uh, in 2002 at the uh, Peoria Sports Complex in Peoria, Arizona, uh, working at the facility where the San Diego Padres and the Seattle Mariners trained. Um, and it was, uh, it was great to work there and, and great, get a taste of professional sports and uh, really um, production in general, which I, I hadn't been around. Uh, I'd been around sport my whole life uh, from an organizational standpoint, um, whether it was, you know, working with local tournaments um, when, I was, when I was younger in my teenage years at, at the local community center, but uh, working at the Peoria Sports Complex was my first professional uh, sports uh, foray, and uh, it was it was really great. And really, from there, it, it led to an opportunity for me to work with the Arizona Cardinals when they opened up their stadium in 2006. Uh, and then I was able to uh, find uh, a foot in the door with the other professional sports teams in the Valley. So. I was able to work for the Phoenix Coyotes and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and then from there, I transitioned and, and moved on to um, what's now Van Wagner Productions. And then um, now with the San Francisco 49ers. Nice. And I'm, I'm thinking we, we talked origin and you mentioned you've been in kind of the sports thing your whole life. And it's I mean, it's very interesting because we'll talk to high schools, colleges and everything mm -hmm. about you know, their students and everyone getting involved in game day productions or sports productions and things like that. I'm just kind of curious, you've been around it all your life. Can you talk a little bit about it? Sounds like you were into it in high school and kind of how, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's important it is and how mm -hmm. you can get in on that level and just keep growing. Yeah. Um, you know, not honestly, not too many people know this, uh, this much, but I've actually been working in and around with scoreboards um, and People find it interesting when I say this, but since I was five years old, um, my, I used to go with my dad to his um, basketball games. He was a referee for um, the local Parks and Rec um, sports, okay. uh, youth and, and adult sports. And so the safest place to put your daughter is at the scorekeeper's table. <laughs> and so um, I started working with uh, scoring um, interfaces at, at a young age. They gave me an opportunity uh, to learn and you know, my dad always told me as a kid, you know, make yourself useful. So I did. Um, and I've been working, you know, with scoring interfaces uh, really ever since. I, like I said, whether it was tournaments um, and, and using, you know, different uh, scoring interfaces for that. But 
uh, yeah, I, that's what really helped me get uh, my foot in the door with Peoria uh, at the sports complex. And it was really just the right time. Um, the person who was in charge of, of the scoring and display there had just left to take another job. And when I had my opportunity uh, to work over there, my strength was working with scoring systems. Um, and they said, you know, do you think you could learn this Stactronic software? And at the time, I'm going to date myself, or maybe I'd, <laughs> I date the sports complex, but they had Venus 4600. Okay. Um, and an yeah. And an incandescent display. Um, and the program was DOS-based. So uh, they gave me the Dactronics manual and they said, do you think you could learn this in two weeks? Um, wow. And I said, uh, yeah, can I, can I come in as much as I want? And I said, whatever you need, just, <laughs> we just need you to be up and running for this like adult baseball tournament that we have coming up and we need someone to know what they're doing. And I said, okay, I'll figure it out. Um, and, and really, you know, that, that kind of catapulted me in, into that position. And uh, then I got to work with a, bunch of different Dactronics trainers um, when we upgraded the system there and really get a chance to uh, to know a little bit more on the programming side of things for Dactronics scoring and display. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've always been around sports and, and the more I kind of uh, look back on my journey, the more I realize just how much I enjoy the really the um, behind the scenes portion of it. You know, um, I've, I've always I've always enjoyed how sporting events come together and um, seeing kind of how seeing the things that most people uh, assume just kind of uh, happen um, at a sporting event. Okay. I'm, I'm curious about the timeline of that. When you were given that manual, that Dactronics manual and said to learn all this, was this like right out of high school, right out of college or, or what time in, in your career was that? Yeah. So it was, uh, so when I started at the sports complex, I was 17, um, and I, uh, I was homeschooled, um, basically my, um, my entire, uh, K through 12, my first day of schooling was my first day of college, okay. but that gave me a great, uh, you know, great opportunity to uh, be around some of these, uh, venues and have some of the availability and experiences that, um, other folks, uh, didn't really get a chance to get be because they were um, they had extracurriculars or uh, different priorities. But uh, yeah, so I was 17. Um, I was still at, at the time before pre-COVID, um, and part of my schooling was online schooling. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, this is this is that's been a normal thing for me. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I was 17 when when I started there and started working um, with with Dactronics. Was that your first experience with Dactronics or were you, was Dactronics all the way back to when you were five? Like a signing from like an all sport or whatever she was yeah. using with her dad, probably. I, I wish it, I wish I could say that. Unfortunately, I can't. Um, oh. It was, uh, it was different. It was a different uh, interface, different um, solution uh, okay. back, back then. <laughs> Well, that's good. And I'm thinking, so you've been around, well, we won't, we won't need to say what version of Venus it was again, but <laughs> so you've been around there all the way through, like even what you're doing today. And I know we'll get into more about kind of your current responsibilities with the 49ers, but um, maybe just talk a little bit. How has it been like to see even on the control system side, everything between that Venus version and where we're at now? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, a lot of it is, you know, it's night and day, obviously. Um, you know, when we're talking about an original, um, DOS based solution. And then, you know, we get into, uh, when I was at the Cardinals in 2006, it was Venus 7000. 
Um, and then now where we're at um, with show control. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great to see the evolution of the program and where it comes, you know, where it started and where it's at now and, and the, the backbone that, um, you know, that it was built on too. Yeah. And that's almost like we say, it's hard for even high schoolers to think about it, but it's almost resume building at that point, right? Like you, you having all this experience, even dating back to being five years old, but having all this experience and being with all these changes as they happen has had to have helped your professional career, right? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the other thing too is, is just, and one thing that we're learning right now during this pandemic is uh, adaptability. Um, you know, new, new versions, new iterations of, of software programs come out and, uh, you have to be, uh, willing to, to kind of change, um, as everything, as technology changes, as technology improves. So, uh, you have to be willing to adapt and, and see where, um, those advancements are being made with, with software and you need to, to go with it. You need to go with that trajectory. And now in your position with the 49ers, can you tell us uh, a little about the equipment that you have there and the fun things you get to do on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely um, we have a state-of-the-art control room. It's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, Aaron Kennedy has spearheaded that um, from a technology standpoint and, and the displays that we have and how we use them and, um, and everything that we use to control them. Of course, we have our fascia. Um, displays as well and and how we can integrate our partners our game and progress information fantasy stats um and and leaders and out-of-town scores and uh, so it's really great to, to get to um kind of play with the designs of that and think through how we can continue to to make it a great experience for the fans um you know when we display information on on the displays of themselves and, and how we can make that palatable to, to the fans coming to levi stadium okay i think in, into your role right now right as the director of game presentation and live events what what is that kind of like like what is the control room like staffing kind of setup do you have a lot of instant replay operators is it a big crew or what do you have I would say we have a fairly, um, you know, large crew. I know there are, are other productions in the NFL that have um, more headcount or more people on game days. Uh, some of them have more displays to control. Um, but we do have a pretty robust um, group in terms of our, our replay operators and, and uh, as well as just kind of our, our back control room, which is very um, similar to the setup of a truck uh, in terms of the the switcher, the, the cam director, um, playback, multi-view, and then we have a front room, um, and that's where we have our Dactonics operators, audio, PA down in distance, uh, and, and myself and our DJ um, in the front room. So we kind of have uh, kind of a, a different approach. I know more venues are, are kind of heading in that direction with limited space mm-hmm. <laughs> at some of these venues of kind of separating where a lot of their gear is at and where different positions are at. But uh, yeah, I'm in the front room uh, and my job is the producer on game day. So I put together the, the rundown, um, the script and work with our, our amazing crew, our talented crew uh, to make sure that the production comes together and, and uh, it's the best it can possibly be. Nice. And you obviously have a lot of Dactronics equipment there. Um, could you speak specifically to the audio facade? I, f- I feel that's kind of a unique installation there and it, it butts right up against your main video display. Do you have anything interesting that you do there for like a content creation standpoint or integrating that with your with your show? 
Yeah, so we um, we basically use it as our B show, um, essentially, uh, during the game and, and really try to highlight our player stats. Um, you know, we have a partner rotation that, that goes on over there. Uh, but we really try to we really try to take um, some steps in the in recent years to make it a little bit more dynamic, to have more movement on it, um, to really uh, accentuate what our players are doing, whether that's factoid notes, um, moving headshots, uh, you know, the, the their um, milestones or uh, superlatives of what's happening in the game uh, can all be found on on that side of the board, um, and it, it really kind of catapulted um, with Super Bowl 50, uh, which I was a part of on the Van Wagner side uh, before I joined the 49ers of, of taking that and, and really driving that as a, um, as a true B show um, to try to accentuate what's going on during the game. And we just like hearing about it, right? Because right, Justin, we say audio facade, it's essentially mm-hmm. a way of taking your speaker system and putting a video board in front of it, but without compromising, you know, the sound of the PA or the music coming out. So maybe right. it's just, you know, you're able to do all this because of that. If it was just a straight up speaker system, you wouldn't have the B show. It's, it just completely changes kind of how you run things. Right. It's definitely seen as a large canvas, uh, you know, in, in other venues and, and with us, it, it's seen that way at times, but uh, you know, it, it's certainly something where we saw that we could, um, because there is a uh, just a small amount of, of differential in terms of, of the pixel pitch and clarity, um, we decided to kind of you know take that approach of, of um, making it you know making it a B show. And like I said, it, it kind of um, kind of gave us the kind of template, if you will, uh, for how how that canvas is going to look. Right. And we, we call that uh, our free form elements that, that create that. And we'd like to say that's acoustically transparent. Uh, so, yeah, Justin, it's a fun PR term there. <laughs> Justin's our PR, PR guy here, Lars. So he always knows the exact phrasing of all these things. So, <laughs> Right, right. But it, it does give you that um, extra element there. It's, it's a little bit unique. Like you said, it, it kind of um, gives you a template that you kind of have to work with there. But it also gives you that extra space in, in front of the speaker system. So we, we kind of wanted to bring that up. But um, obviously, this season's been a little bit different than than other seasons. So how has your production crew kind of adapted during this past season? Yeah, it has been um, a little bit of a roller coaster. But, uh, you know, we uh, collectively during the summer knew that um, having fans in, in California was going to be a bit of a challenge and we had to adapt our strategy for in venue because really the audience that we're so used to catering to had changed. If you don't have fans in the stadium, then by default, your next kind of, uh, audience is the players on the field. And so we really had to change our, our, our approach. Um, in that regard, a lot of the content that we were working um, on for in-stadium display was what do the players want to see? How do we integrate their families into this? How do we um, continue to, to motivate and, and uh, inspire them um, since they're our, our main demographic at that point and, and who we're catering to? And then a lot like you know the other teams in the league, we shifted some of our focus to think beyond the stadium, think beyond um, the footprint that was in front of us. So we did take a, a pregame show into the virtual world um, to the digital social channels and, and program a pregame show 
so things, yeah, things definitely changed uh, for us and kind of our strategy and what we were what we were trying to do and what we were trying to emphasize. Yeah, it's interesting because so did they were they allowed to have kind of family members in the building too? Is that kind of the the setup or regulations for the events, or was it players only? It was is players only the and really the additional um, folks in the building were those who had a working function. So um, there were no extra, you know, no extra um, folks in there. Uh, You know, the media, they have a working function for being there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the regular stadium personnel, as as well as our production team, um, all having working functions. But no, uh, no family, uh, no friends uh, in in Santa Clara. Um, Really wasn't until our our games uh, were moved out of California that uh, there was an opportunity to have uh, a few family and friends uh, come to those games. I got you. And maybe before we get into the, uh, the ones in Arizona, I'm curious, but you know, when you're, you're producing an event, right. And you're trying to get, you know, either crowd prompts or different animations to play to psych up the crowd. And, and when you don't have any fans there, right. And there's probably, I know there's the, whatever the regulation of is uh, of audience noise being pumped into the stadium to make it feel like that. How how was that all doing? Like, were you still kind of doing some crowd prompts, knowing it might show up on TV, and just kind of how was how was it like producing an event when it was kind of fake noise in there? I guess I'd ask. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, um, on the home opener, it was the weirdest uh, feeling ever as a live event producer, um, mainly because, uh, at least for me, the the last game that you know, we had in that building um, and we produced as a team, as a group was the NFC championship, which is really the pinnacle of, of live event presentation (laughs) for the NFL outside of the Super Bowl. And so um, to go from a completely full venue um, and, and, uh, you know, a trophy ceremony and, and the team going on to the Super Bowl to the home opener with no fans in the building whatsoever uh, it was incredibly deflating. Um, yeah. and you know, it's, it, it's certainly challenging. Um, you know, we kept with a lot of the traditions that we had, uh, you know, whether that, you know, um, our defensive traditions and audio prompts that we were doing, we, we, we didn't play things like get loud and make some noise because mm-hmm. obviously there's no, there's no one there to do that. <laughs> yep. Um, but we still kept the, all the audio traditions that we had and we, we tried to keep, um, as much normalcy as possible for the guys on, on the field, you know, um, they were as much as, as we think about it, that the environment that they're in plays a huge part of, of their experience on the field. And so we had to, we wanted to keep that as much as from an audio standpoint as we could, even graphics, you know, our touchdown, our graphics package, all of those things, uh, we put together the way it would have looked if fans were in the building. We just changed some of the things that we were doing. Like I said, obviously just knowing that we didn't have uh, fans in the stands uh, with some of those prompts, but all the other kind of uh, pieces that you would normally hear uh, on a game day, we wanted to make sure we're still there um, just to kind of provide that sense of tradition and normalcy. You're psyching up players instead of fans. It's kind of interesting, different way (laughs) to think about it, right? And also with that, did you have to think of different considerations for TV cameras possibly catching your video displays with advertisers? Did you did you adjust your your advertising package based on that? 
Uh, we certainly did, and I guess we can say it now, now that the season's behind us. Um, but we absolutely did. Um, you know, we uh, come, we were strategically going in or out of break, of TV break. Uh, we would do takeover moments with our partners uh, for exposure on TV. And early on in the season, um, I don't think the networks were hit to that. So we were, we were, uh, we were getting on, which was everything we wanted to do for our partners. Mm -hmm. Um, But then later in the season, I think the networks caught on a little bit of what we were trying to do. Um, But it was, uh, it was kind of, we made it a game within a game for us. of uh, (laughs) If we could get on national TV with, uh, with the boards and, and a partner and, um, I definitely fist pumped like we scored a touchdown. I was like, yes, we made it on TV. <laughs> nice. <That's laughs> we're, awesome. getting, we're we're making our partners happy. Yes. Um, so yeah, we definitely we definitely did that. That was a huge uh, part of the strategy too. Going in is is trying to protect the revenue um, and protect our our partners that we had on board and making sure that they found uh, they had the values that um, you know they were accustomed to getting. Uh, you know, in a season prior. So we wanted to, we, we, we definitely were strategic with that. Um, and, and how we tried to put their, their logos up on the boards at strategic times. <laughs> I love that. The game within a game, that sounds yeah. <laughs> like it'd actually be very exciting to be in there when all that happens, just get the buttons ready to go and see it and be like, all right, cue it up now that board, that board. Like, um, yep. and then, so you talked about, you know, the last, the last couple home games for the season being moved to Arizona, Maybe just talk a little bit about that, because that's obviously got to be a, a unique and different experience for you to all of a sudden kind of pack up and move, you know, over halfway through a season and have to put on a production in someone else's facility. Yeah, it was definitely um, definitely a curveball we didn't expect. Um, I I remember um, we were I was out running errands uh, on on the weekend um, and I got a text message from. Uh, my good friend Alan at the Vikings, and he said, your games are being moved. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, go check Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I went and checked Twitter, and, um, you know, that's a lot of news these days breaks on Twitter sometimes. Um, and, yeah, yeah it, was, it was confirmed that uh, our games were, were being moved. Um, and we were just, you know, waiting at that point to, to see what the venue would be. You know, the, the league did an amazing job of, uh, you know, working on different scenarios uh, for the season. And if a team had to get moved for any particular reason. And so we were waiting on that. And then the news came that we were going to be heading to Arizona. Um, and honestly, it was it was such a relief to hear that we were moving um, our games to Arizona, having worked uh, in that building. Um you know, for eight seasons. And, and I know the, the front office over there really well. And so it was, it was such a relief to know that we were, we were heading there because we really only had five business days uh, to turn around from the time we heard the news. Uh, we had to account for travel and, and getting to Arizona. Then they had a game the day before on Sunday, before the Monday night game. Um, and so we really only had about five days to, to kind of figure it all out. So it was great to to go to a venue that I had been a part of uh, when it was opening, and and a lot of folks who were still there with the team um, have great relationships with them. And like I said, it was just a relief to know that we were we were going there for the, uh, those games. We didn't know at the time it would be the remainder of the season, um, but that's how it ended up 
turning out. Yeah, that sounds like a quick turnaround. You say five days and you figure it all out. Did you work with the production staff that was there already? Did you kind of uh, work together to, to help get the production ready or kind of how did that come together? Yeah, so, um, you know, literally the Monday prior, so seven days uh, prior to the game, uh, once it was confirmed that we were going there, uh, you know, we reached out to them and we set up, you know, a, a Zoom, which is kind of how we've been doing everything these days. And, mm-hmm. and we said, hey, we, we need kind of all hands on deck to, to figure out what we're bringing, what we're doing, uh, how we can execute it, what our layout can look like. Um, and really, you know, they went, uh, they're just phenomenal professionals. You know, um, Mike Connor and, and the rest of the team over there have done an amazing job. They've obviously hosted numerous large-scale events in, in the building. And so uh, they really had their ducks in a row when it came to getting us the information we needed to be able to make decisions quickly of how we were going to work with the layouts of, of their video board and how we were going to get content to them and, and get it turned around in a quick period of time. That's why I get this vision in my head of this, like you showing up with your crew and then they have their crew. And is it was West Side Story? West Side Story, yeah. Where they just come together and it's like, all right, now what's happening? Division rivals, yeah. look out. <laughs> get out you of the control know, room. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's interesting is like, yes, we might be division rivals, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all production family. And I think that was one thing that was really on display when we uh, had to make that move is, a lot of us have these these longstanding relationships because of of great opportunities where we've been able to come together outside of um, outside of the games themselves and and conferences and different ways for us to um, you know to to share our best practices and you know those relationships obviously go back a, a long period of time and it's what really helped it really made the transition so easy and so smooth. Um, and, and taking those games with so very little time to get in there. Uh, and yeah, we, we, it was only two of us that traveled myself and Aaron Kennedy traveled to Arizona for the games. And we had to reduce um, how many people we were, we were planning to have on site with us. And, and for all of those reasons that you mentioned, right, they have a crew to protect um, during mm-hmm. these times. And they had a game the day before the Monday game with us and, <laughs> So we all had to be very careful as to um, what we were doing and how many people we were bringing and really um, making sure that we didn't put anyone at risk by uh, by having our games moved there. And, and like I said, being mindful of the crew that they had uh, in place. And so were they allowing fans in the stands at that point? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up like which areas were allowing which ones weren't. So were you able to go and they had fans in the stands in Arizona? Um, I think at that time they had just, I think they may have, that Sunday game may have had a small amount of fans. But okay. then there was a decision, um, I want to say really quickly thereafter, that they weren't going to have fans in attendance for Arizona games. Um, and I think they allowed a limited amount of friends and family for Arizona. We had, um, we had no fans, no friends and family for the Buffalo game, the Monday night game. And then the last two games, uh, they allowed a very small amount of friends and family, uh, to come to those games, uh, for our games. And when you went there and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know your schedule exactly. Or if you had back-to-back games, did you have back-to-back games and did you just stay for the week or was it go there, go back, go there, go back? Um, so we had the game on Monday night and then we had a Sunday game, um, that was the following Sunday. So with the first, within the first two weeks, we, 
uh, we had games there. Uh, again, we didn't know really if we were going to be allowed back for the last game. We were hopeful. We had our fingers crossed that we could come back to Levi Stadium for our last home game, which was January 3rd, because um, there was a, a significant kind of break in time there um, between the the second game that was in Arizona and then what became the third game. And yeah, we, uh, you know, I went down there and uh, I, I drove, Aaron drove as well. We wanted to be as safe as possible. Um, and we also drove because we had to take quite a, a bit of gear with us <laughs> and we didn't know how long we would be there. Uh, yeah, to sure, be honest. Yeah. And, and we just ended up, um, we ended up staying there for a little over a month. Um, because based off of the quarantine uh, rules, oh, yeah. um, it just really didn't make sense for us to come back to California and then go back to Arizona. Um, so we stayed there. <laughs> we stayed for a month. <laughs> wow. I would say I, would, I wouldn't mind staying in Arizona for a month, right, too. It was, what, negative 20 degrees here in South Dakota this week? Yeah. Yep. We can go to Arizona anytime. <laughs> yeah, I signed up for that. Um, so, and this this is a good segue, and I didn't even queue it up for, for it to be like this, Justin. But, I mean, you're talking about when you went there and there was their production crew and you have this networking family, everyone coming together to help each other out. Um, I want to tie this into, because we also want to talk to you today about the uh, football user group that we have coming up in January. And it's going to be all virtual this year. And I was just kind of curious, have you attended this group in the past when it when it was in Brookings? I did. Um, I don't remember what year that was, um, but I did attend in Brookings um, and it was great. It was, a, a, like I said, another opportunity to be around, um, you know, folks from specifically from uh, our league and kind of see best practices. I remember, you know, the Buccaneers did a great presentation. The Vikings had a great presentation um, talking about how they use their displays. And yeah, it just, it forged a lot of really um, of great relationships. Uh, you know, the folks from the Browns were there, Broncos. It's, it was really great. And, um, you know, we, uh, we, I think that was the year we took a road trip from Brookings to Minnesota to see the Viking Stadium. Oh, okay. Um, so there's nothing that will bond you quite like a road trip from Brookings <laughs> to Minnesota. Good, good or bad, yeah. <laughs> With everybody, you know, uh, I think there, there was like a couple of vans, um, but it was, you know, like I said, there's nothing that will bond you quicker than, you know, taking a road trip with uh, your fellow production specialist. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. No kidding. That that might even be a highlight there. Um, just to clarify, I think Matt said it January, but it's coming up this, did I, did later this Jan month in oh, February. I said January? Just to make sure we have it correct. Whoops, my bad. Yeah, so should be it'll be happening later this month in February. But were there any any other highlights other than that uh, road trip that you <laughs> took that from the user group that you attended? Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, really, it just, you know, uh, it comes down to just that relationship building, you know, of being able to, to see best practices. I've never had a chance to, um, that was my first adventure to Brookings, South Dakota. Okay. And I had never had a chance to, to kind of see Daktronic headquarters and get a tour. So that was a really cool opportunity as well, just to kind of see how everything comes together, um, there. And like I said, it was, it was great to see best practices overall take away, took a lot, a lot of notes from that. Um, as well as, as what, you know, folks are doing and how well they're doing it and what we could um, take back for uh, what we can do at Levi Stadium. 
Yeah, and I, and I think I mentioned this maybe in a in a previous podcast, Justin, with uh, some of our internal people that have helped put these on. But it's mm-hmm. I think the first one I went to that was something like this was a a major league baseball user group, probably like twelve years. I don't know. It was a long time. It was when I was first starting out at DAC. <laughs> but it was one of those things that I mean, you're kind of hitting on here too. Was that I was shocked being a sports fan, and then you see everyone in a room that are with these different teams, and you're like. Oh, that team's gonna hate that team. Those are rivals, <laughs> but everyone's joking, hanging out, giving each other a hard time, and it's all fun and games. Because you even talked about going to a divisional rival, right, and having to go in there and kind of, and it was all fine because everyone's a professional. Everyone knows it's a sport they're helping put on. There's none of this like, I mean, intense fans that don't like other teams because they're a rival or something like that doesn't really exist in the, in the control room side of things. No, I mean, we we certainly, like you mentioned, we'll certainly give each other a hard time though. Uh, every now and then, but, you know, we, uh, I think in the last few years and, and really in, you know, uh, at least a couple decades at this point, uh, information sharing has been great. Um, you know, a lot of people are really willing to share these things of what they're doing and what their best practices are and, and realize that um, it just makes our industry as a whole better. It makes production better in general when, when you share these ideas as opposed to kind of playing it close to the vest or saying, you know, um, those are my ideas or whatever it might be. I mean, we're a majority of us are in different markets and, you know, we can kind of borrow these different ideas and make them our own or put a different twist on them. But really, you know, sharing information has been great. And um, like you said, it's, you know, it's those opportunities when we get to come together, like the football user group and, and other times when we get to see each other is really when we forge those relationships. And like I said, it's what makes going to Arizona when your team gets moved, uh, <laughs> makes it just so much easier because you've already yeah. had those times and opportunities to chat and talk about best practices and um, really kind of forge those relationships. Because we've talked about, right, it, even though your teams may be competing, you're not competing for the same audience, right? So you're meeting with people from the Cleveland Browns, and they're not worried, oh, if I give you the secret to my game day production, more people are going to go to your 49ers game than my Browns game, right? Like, there's there's none of this, like, competing at that. Like you said, you put it really nicely, is that you're trying to elevate the, the industry in general and just trying to make production better. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think that's the best part about it is, really um really just challenging each other with creativity and seeing what we can come up with and how we can just continue to inspire um each other in this industry and how we can continue to to make um you know the best shows possible again i i don't think it i think sharing you know what we do is is the best part of uh, of all of this and and trying to see where we can where we can continue to go and where you know how we can continue to try to inspire each other to 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 elevate um, these productions. Yeah, that's that's great. I I, I agree with Matt. You you put that a great way of trying to elevate the industry together. Um, and speaking of which, maybe maybe you have a little bit of insight of what's coming up this season. I know the 2020 season just ended, but uh, do you have any plans for the 21 season that you could maybe share some ideas of what you're thinking to do without giving away too much? <laughs> you know what? It just continues to. We just have to be. Con- continually um adapting and evolving i think um our hope obviously is with the vaccines that are rolling out that look we are our hope in general is that come fall that our stadiums are um 
uh, has fans in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really, I really missed having, I didn't realize how much I missed having fans in the building <laughs> until they couldn't come to a game. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, we just have to continue to stay, you know, adaptive and see what, what we can do within the industry to continue to engage our fan base. I think the best lesson that's come out of this past season is just thinking, you know, I, when I talk to industry peers, we, we talk about thinking beyond the stadium. Um, oftentimes we focus so much of our time, energy and effort on the game day experience. And that's great for the 65,000 or 70,000 people that, that are able to come and be with us on uh, Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays. Um, but, you know, we have a worldwide audience. We really have a brand that is beyond the state. It's beyond the country. Um, and some of these virtual productions that we've been doing have really lent themselves to our international fan base, being able to interact with our brand um, and, and getting information and, and seeing a, a production that's, um, you know, biased for the team. You know, we had we had fans that were tuning into our pregame show, our pregame production that we were putting on that uh, were from the UK and the Netherlands. And, um, you know, it just reinforces that the brand um, that we're a part of really have an international fan base that we have to think about. So some of the things that we want to continue to, you know, to consider moving forward is how do we take what's happening inside of the stadium and continue to amplify that um, beyond just in the stadium? Um, how do we continue to amplify the game day experience uh, into um, other avenues, other mediums where some of these fan bases um, beyond our immediate radius can, can consume them. So those are some of the trends that we're, we're looking at and we're anticipating. And um, so I think there could be a, a potential, a good potential for these hybrid productions coming up out of, out of all of this, where you have people who are focused on in-stadium production uh, and creating that game day experience. And then you have um, maybe a, a, a different production crew or you're taking what's happening in stadium and you're, um, putting that into a production that is going out um, again on your social channels or, um, you know, different avenues and being amplified for that international uh, fan base. So I think we'll see hybrid in stadium social production um, continue on moving forward. And I think that's something even we talked to uh, colleges and high schools too, Mm -hmm. Laura, this is something I feel like is just a sports industry in general too, because it's, um, I know even like my nephew, right? He's playing high school basketball. I would not go to his games because it's a long ways away. But because of them not having people in there, they force themselves to do live streams of games. And all of a sudden, like me, my parents will all watch our nephew's basketball games through this feed where we normally wouldn't have earlier. So I feel like there's this there's this thing of like, all right, what have you been doing during COVID? And, and you're still going to keep using it even after fans start coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because truth of the matter is, is um, I still think that there's going to be um, some folks who are reluctant to come back to in-person events. Um, you know, we our hope, obviously, in the event industry is that we want everyone to feel comfortable coming back to events. And, you know, stadiums uh, across the U.S. And, and teams are doing everything possible to make it safe. But I think there will still be that lingering um, sentiment that some people might not, you know, uh, feel that it's uh, 
safe for them personally and and really how do we how do we account for that and make sure that they still have a chance to um, engage and and like to your point of of watching um, you know a game uh, through a stream um, because I think there is an audience for that. Right. And as you're saying, everything's changing and, and uh, evolving and you're being nimble and, and changing with it and doing what you can to promote that in-stadium event outside the stadium to as great an audience as you can so that everybody can share in that uh, that same game day excitement, whether in the stadium or, or at home even. Um, so I want to thank you for taking the time to, to come here and talk with us and share your story. It's been really interesting to, to hear your side of it, especially going to a different stadium and putting on a production for a couple <laughs> yeah. of games. But thank you for taking the time. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. Absolute pleasure. And um, I certainly hope that I don't have to uproot and produce a game in another <laughs> NFL venue again, but I won't rule it out. <laughs> Fun, but don't make me do it again. Yeah, <laughs> it's a one-time experience. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dactronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes. 